and we hope that you uh, will rejoice with us in uh, the fact that we'll have to endure this the rest of the winter, and you won't. Um, we actually, on the, we went down to Texas last week. Uh, I did go through a graduation ceremony, and when we left Dallas to come back here on Wednesday afternoon, it was 77 plus degrees Fahrenheit in Dallas, and then we came back here, and it was not. <laughs> it was different. So, uh, but I, I'm, I'm grateful uh, to be not only uh, in Canada, but certainly to be with this church. In fact, if you would have looked at my Facebook status this week, at one point I, I wrote on Facebook, I said, you know, uh, the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ in Allen, Texas, that's where Robin and I were before we came here. Uh, we were there just worshiping and I served as an elder there for a short time and we were doing some study. It was an absolutely wonderful church. It was, oh, just a blessing in our lives. It was great to be at Greenville Oaks. The leaders there, the church, everything was absolutely wonderful. Like we just praised the Lord for the, the opportunity uh, to be with that church family for about four and a half years or so. And I wrote on Facebook, I said, what a great church family. It's just so wonderful to be back with those people at Greenville Oaks. I enjoyed it so much. And then I said, and I served the Calgary Church of Christ in Calgary, Alberta, and I would rather be there any day of the week. And it's true. Like I would much, I would so much rather be here with you being part of this church family than anywhere else in the world. And I just, I, I count it as a rich blessing and privilege, not just to be here this morning, but to be here for this point in my life. And who knows, maybe forever. We'll see what the Lord does with all of that. Like many families, every year our family gets together and tells each other, either with a list or in discuss, discussion, what each of us wants for Christmas. We operate under the premise that even if you end up not being all that surprised on Christmas, at least you got what you wanted or needed rather than being wonderfully surprised in finding out that you got for Christmas several things that you didn't actually want and none of which you actually wanted. For instance, when I was a kid, I used to always get for Christmas soap on a rope. <laughs> now, for those of you who aren't old enough to have experienced soap on a rope, it's time for you to bow and thank God for your experiences in life. It was exactly what it sounds like. It was pretty and it smelled nice. Obviously, someone in my family thought that despite what I was asking for for Christmas, what I needed was to take a bath. <laughs> Perhaps they were afraid that the reason I smelled the way I apparently did was because I was not able to find the bar of soap in the murky bath water, made murky by the large amount of dirt that was obviously coming off my body each time I climbed into the tub. So if I hung the soap around my neck while in the bathtub, I wouldn't end up cleaner because I couldn't find the soap. Or I should say, if I didn't have that soap and, and was able to hang it around my neck now, I'd able to be able to find the soap and could end up cleaner because I could find it. Well, as an adult, when I reflect on that, and as I'm able to now share my true feelings, I can say, <laughs> I think that was the stupidest, most worthless present that I ever received. It was true that a bar of soap hung around my neck did not get lost in murky bath water. That's true. 
But unfortunately, the rope in the soap was far too short to be of any real value in cleaning my body. The rope around my neck allowed me, whether I stood up in the bathtub, laid down flat, or sat up, it allowed me to wash my body down to about two inches above my belly button. But there is, but there is on any eight or nine-year-old boy still a lot of body washing that needs to be done below that. Of course, you could take the rope off your neck and use the soap to wash the rest of you. But then what's the point of having the rope? Someone once suggested to me that the rope was there to act as a scrubbing device like a washcloth, except that it was conveniently attached to the soap. However, if this is true, soap on a washcloth makes way more sense to me than soap on a rope. Besides, isn't it a fact that when you've received soap on a rope for Christmas, that what you really received as a gift is a bar of soap? They gave you a bar of soap for Christmas. That's what they thought you wanted or needed. In fact, they were apparently saying that part of your body that needed the most cleaning was from two inches north of your belly button and up. That's what they thought needed to be cleaned. And that hardly says, I love you and appreciate you. And so I got you this wonderful gift for Christmas. I remember the year that my younger sister gave to me a king-sized bottle of Scope mouthwash for Christmas. That's, that's the truth. She really did. It was the same kind of message as soap on a rope. But in the case of the mouthwash, it came with no rope. And so I could never find it when I needed it. So personally, I think there's some value in telling people what you want for Christmas. And so I've decided this year to expand my horizons. What works great in my own family, I've decided to expand to my own church family and to tell you what I want for Christmas. Not only do I stand a much better chance of getting the things I want for Christmas rather than the things I don't want, but because there are so many of you, I'm bound to get way more of what I actually want by asking you than if I just rely on my own family's abilities to give me what I want. So here it is what I want for Christmas, and I think that you're just the people to help me out. The fact is, it all comes down to one thing, really, but there are several parts to this one item, and I'm confident that you can all get me the parts that are needed. Here's what I want. I want, first of all, what Miss Universe wants. I want world peace. But there are some things I really do want. I mean, world peace would certainly be one of them. I want all the diseased children in the world to receive medicine. I want everyone to have clean water, clean air, and healthy food. I want all the orphans in the world to have parents. I want those whose lives that are being destroyed by alcohol and drugs to be rehabilitated. I want all the unhappy marriages to be healed. I want those who are bullied and made to feel worthless to find meaningful relationships. I want someone to find a universal cure for cancer.
of all kinds. I want the mentally ill to be healed. I want for, for gun control to be an obsolete agenda on every lawmaker's list because no one would ever think of pointing a firearm at anyone else to say nothing of going into a school and shooting children. I want for religion to be never used as a reason for hurting or terrorizing anyone. I want the hungry to have enough food. I want all the homeless to have not just a roof over their heads, but to have a place that they can call home. I want our governments to stop wasting money on self-serving projects. I want abortion to be eradicated because there is no such thing as a pregnancy that is unwanted. I want everyone to have one special friend. I want everyone to know they have a friend in Jesus. I want everyone to hear the Christmas story as a message of hope and life and love and salvation. I want everyone to be impacted by the love of Christ and to know Jesus as Lord. And I want every coping person to meaningfully reach out and make a difference in the lives of those who cannot cope. Now, these are some big things. Most of them, they probably sound a little bit too big to just fit underneath my tree. And I'm not sure that even our church, with all its resources, can cure cancer or prevent the governments of the world from wasting money. But I think, I think that we have great resources here. I think that we have the ability to get started on some of these things and to make some real headway and accomplish some things in our world that God would want us to get done. And so why can't we dream about how we can best minister to the homeless in our world, to the hopeless alcoholics that come to our building every week, most of the time every day for food? We have them come here every day. And we do some great things for them. But boy, I would love to see us expand our vision for what we could do for these people. Wouldn't it be great, instead of Nancy or me or Michael or Peter just gathering up a few things in a, in a plastic bag and giving it to these people and saying, have a great day as we feed them and keep them alive for another day. Wouldn't it be great if we could somehow make a genuine impact in helping them to overcome their alcoholism? Oh, I would love it. And I think we've taken a step by keeping them alive. But as I think about what we could get done, I think maybe we could really have an impact on the lives of some of these people and, and not just feed them and keep them alive to get drunk on another day, but to feed them with the kind of spiritual food that they really need that their lives can be completely turned around. Now, the fact is that alcohol gets in the way so often as we try to do that that we're relatively unsuccessful. I can only think of one case in the last five years where I've been working with people who specifically are coming in and we see all the time, they ask for food, they're alcoholics. There's only one time where I feel like we absolutely helped to turn somebody's life around. Like many of you remember Lauren. Lauren used to come all the time and Lauren used to sit back there with Faye. Now Faye comes with somebody else. 
and she's still a drunk on the street, and Tom, who's a drunk on the street, is with her, and sometimes they come in, and they smell, and they're drunk, and they sit back here, and we don't feel like we're making the impact in Tom and Faye's lives that we'd like to make. But Lauren's life was changed, and Lauren's life was largely changed by our church family. And so it wasn't that long ago that he came. And I I tell people all the time, I don't want to see Lauren. I don't want him coming by. I don't want to see him. And the reason I don't want to see him is because I'm afraid if I see Lauren, he's going to be drunk. Because when Lauren's not drunk, he doesn't come by. But when he's drunk, he starts coming by. Well, I hadn't seen Lauren for about a year and a half, and I was feeling so good. It's so great not to see him. But Lauren came by about a month ago. And all of a sudden, he just came to the door. I, you know, I hear the door ring like I, you know, or the doorbell go off like I hear it several times all week long. And I turned the corner and I looked at, and here's Lauren standing there with this sheepish grin on his face. And like, as soon as I saw him, I knew he was sober. And I went and I opened the door and we, you know, we just had a wonderful moment. I hugged him. It was a great moment. And this guy's life has been turned around. He actually was here because his brother, Gabriel, who we also minister all the time, had died. And Gabriel had died on the streets. He died as a drunk alcoholic in the gutter, just like you don't want to have happen to these people. And Lauren was back from Vancouver for his brother's funeral. And so he came to see us. Lauren's life has been completely turned around, but Lauren is just one out of all the ones that we see. And I want to see something happen with that. And I don't know, even know what that is, people. Like, I'd like to be able to say to you, I've got the perfect plan of how we're going to fix all these people's lives. We're going to straighten this out. And I don't know what that is, but I would like for 2013 to be the year when we really do something to change the lives of these poor people. Why can't we think of how we can best help the children of broken families that live within a kilometer or two of our building? Who knows how many there are? Hundreds, I'm guessing, of families that are broken within a kilometer or two of our building. How could we minister to them in ways that we currently don't? We need to find out what those ways are. Can we do something for the teenagers who regularly do drugs at the back of our building? It hasn't been happening so much lately. Like, and when I say lately, I mean in the last couple of months. I haven't seen it so much. But before that, constantly, teenagers coming to our building and doing drugs in the back. Now, frequently we called the police, and the police would come, and sometimes it kind of roused them out, and sometimes not. Oftentimes the police don't get there in time. Numerous times I've gone back and talked to them and just said, you know, we don't really want you doing drugs here. We want you to get your lives straightened out. We, you know, we hope things can be different for you. Um, like there's just been so many times when we've had those kinds of conversations with people, and, and they're all too brief, and they're all too ineffective, and I'd love to do something with all those teenagers who come to our building and do drugs in the back. Can't we help the hurting ones we work with or that live on our streets to come and know what Christ has done for them? Like, I really hope that we can. Like, I want to be so much more effective at that. Could we pick one, and I'm talking about just you as individuals and me, can't we pick one lonely person and be to him or her a life-changing friend? You probably know someone who needs you to be their friend. And in the process, provide for them a relationship that will completely turn his or her life around. Could we not give more of our money that we, than we do so that those who need food can get that food plus so much more that we want to give them? You know, we spend so much money 
like our society does, each of us does, and certainly at this time of year, we spend so much money on what I would call the latest gadgetry. And, and I am absolutely as guilty of that and as caught up in that as you are. But isn't that what we do? Like the latest gadgetry, we've got to have it. And there are people around us everywhere who need so badly food and shelter, clothing and help in various ways. It's amazing how much money we spend on the things that we do. Well, those are some things I would like to do. But we're doing so many things already. And I'm already excited about the things that we're going to get to do in 2013. I know during 2013 that our building is going to be used by many, many immigrant women who are trying to find their way in Canada. I know that because it happens all the time. Like numerous times a week, we have immigrant women who are here for various sessions learning what it means to live in Canada. And they're learning, they're learning English. They're learning how to ride the bus. They're learning how to go to the grocery store. And it's just beautiful that we have the privilege of facilitating that ministry. I know that in 2013, we're going to give thousands of dollars worth of food to people who need it. I know we will, because we do. I took someone this morning, uh, relatively new to us, and I just said, I want to show you something. We went down the hallway, and I just opened the pantry doors, and I said, see this? See this food? Like, we give this food out to people every day. In a couple of weeks, this will all be gone, and we're going to have to replenish it, because we're constantly giving it out. That's going to happen this year, and I praise the Lord for that. I know that many people who uh, close to me uh, who are going to be sustained by relationships that they have with others through our church and its ministries, especially our life groups. I know that's going to happen in the next year. There are relationships that you are going to make in life groups this year. There are relationships of people who we don't even know yet who are going to come to our church and become part of those life groups and build relationships. And I just praise the Lord that that's all happening. I know that our children are going to hear about Jesus this year and that they're going to learn the Bible. It happens all the time. We saw it this morning with a, a young man who proudly stands up and says the 66 books in the Bible. Brian, I'd like you to do that right now if you would. Please just stand up and give us the 66. You caught my point, don't you? He can't do it. No, that's not the point. The point is, is that almost none of us can do it. But Matthew Dinitis can. Isn't that beautiful? Like, it's, it's just praise the Lord for that. I'm glad that Jody and those others do that and those children learn the books of the Bible and that we make the Bible central to who we are. I know that this year our teenagers are going to be given every opportunity to grow in Christ through our youth ministry. Praise the Lord for that. I know that because of our financial support of our missionaries, the people in far-off lands are going to hear of Christ and be ministered to in the name of Jesus. And you heard from J. Don last week in the way that that's happening in Ukraine. And so I praise the Lord for that. Well, on Friday afternoon, on Friday afternoon, a teenage girl, her little brother, and her mother came by for a food hamper. And I've seen them many times before. The mother became acquainted with us because of this one of these women's programs that we do. We, do a, we have a thing that, that's hosted in our building called Pebbles in the Sand. And it's sponsored by Calgary, uh, the Calgary Im Immigrant Women's Association. And they come here twice a week and they, they, they do a great job of talking to immigrant women about how to live in Canada. 
And the woman became familiar with our church family because of that. Well, from that contact, her kids enrolled in our vacation Bible school. And they've on occasion come and asked for help of various kinds. And I'm quite familiar with, with them. I, you know, I see them all the time. The teenage girl always acts as the spokesperson and the translator because the mother speaks so little English. The younger brother always comes in smiling, just a little boy. The girl is shy. She's very soft-spoken. And they came to the door and she said, I know that I can come here and that we can get some food. And so we've come to see if we can get some food. And so, you know, I'm just, of course we can give you food. And I brought them in and I brought them some food. And then someone, I, I just heard about this. Uh, Nancy told me about it before she left on Thursday and, uh, from the office. And so I, I don't know all the details yet. But one of you, somebody, has given the church some gift cards for Christmas. I, I think they're $50 and maybe they're to one of the grocery stores or something. And we're supposed to hand them out to the people who come and ask for food. But I didn't know where they were. I couldn't find them. Nancy just told me about it. And so here's this family. I didn't know where the cards were. And I tried to call Nancy and I couldn't get a hold of her. And so I went to this girl and I said, I'm sorry. I said, I, I, I know there are gift cards somewhere, but I can't find them. And I'd like to give you one, but I can't. And, and so she said, oh, well, that's okay. You know, thank you for the food. And they left. And I, and I went, I, I was feeling terrible. And then she came back. She, you know, two minutes later, she came back and knocked on the door again. I came around and she said, could I come back and get one of the gift cards on Monday? And I'm like, of course you can. So I brought her in and I, I said, you know, Leggett, let me get your phone number so that when Nancy gets her on Monday morning, I can make sure I give you a call and you can come and pick up this gift card. And I'm thinking, I'll give you 10 gift cards. You know, I, I mean, it was just, it was such a dear situation. So I took her, I took down the name and I took her phone number and I told her I'd call her on Monday. And I'm sure they'll come on Monday and get the gift, get the gift cards. So she left and she's just such a sweet, shy young girl. And she left and after she left, I went back to my office and I sat down and I started to cry, which I never do. <laughs> and I started to cry. And it wasn't because I felt sorry for the girl and her family. And it wasn't because there are poor people in our world. And they weren't cries, uh, tears of thankfulness because I was even able to give her food. I was crying because I knew that I was working with a church that was making a difference in the world. That God has strategically placed us here to do his will. And there are at these moments such clarity about how God is using us to minister to people. And I knew when she walked out that it had just happened again. That we had just done something again in the name of Jesus to bless somebody. And there are so many wonderful things that happen through our ministry here. And it's because of you. The many things that I want for Christmas are simply a continuation of the things that we already do. And what I want for Christmas is our impact on our community to increase. We go about doing so many good things. And there are so many good things that are still going to happen through this church family. Um, not many of you know this. Some of you would. We're about to renovate 
uh, our gymnasium. We're going we're gonna to do some significant things in our gym. They're badly needed. Uh, you know, I, I hope this is the last meal we ever have to have down there again with that carpet. <laughs> and so we're going we're gonna to do uh, some gym renovation, and I'm so glad that we are. And it's going to help us to function better as a church. You know, we're about ready to go through our yearly process of establishing the budget, making plans that will take us through the next year of ministry. And I'm so excited about it. We're doing so many good things, and our plans call for even more. And the fact is, is that none of this is soap on a rope. We, ha- we, have, we have more work to do with the homeless, and we can. We've got plans to do so. We have, we have the, the chance to see more churches planted in Calgary than what are planted now. We can send more money to more missionaries who can do good things in the name of Jesus. We can have our life group program expand and grow and continue to minister and, and build relationships with people. And we can do some of these things that I talked about in our community in terms of ministering to these families that hurt. And all of that is at our disposal. And God is wanting so badly for us to just continue along that path and do these wonderfully good things. Like, isn't that great? Like, it is wonderful, the opportunities that we have. And so sometimes I might go to my office and cry, but when I do so often, it's because of these good things that God is so clearly doing among us. And I just praise Him for that. And I thank God. And here's the thing. For those of you who may not know Jesus, He was not just a baby in a manger who came a long time ago, and we just give presents at Christmas time and talk about his birth a bit. Jesus transforms lives. He is changing the world even now. And so if you look at the title for the sermon today, it says, An Oncoming Birth. Because This is all coming on to us. Jesus is still doing things. He's building things. We're in the process here. We're not just celebrating a baby in a manger in the past 2,000 years ago. We're talking about what Jesus is doing through us right now, today. And he is blessing us richly, and he's going to continue to do so, because that's what he does. We have a wonderful Savior. Merry Christmas, all of you. It's a blessing to be in Jesus. Let's stand and sing.